Hello, welcome to episode number 135 of Turkey Book Talk. I'm William Armstrong here in Istanbul. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Murat Erdogan. He is director of the Turkish German University's Migration and Integration Research Center. And he oversees Syrians Barometer, which is an annual UNHCR supported research project tracking the views and tendencies among Syrians in Turkey, as well as Turkish citizens' views of Syrians in the country. Before we crack on with the interview, let me just remind you that you can support the podcast by joining as a Turkey Book Talk member via Patreon. Membership gets you various extras, which are of course now includes an updated version of our exclusive discount deal which gives Turkey Book Talk members a 30% discount off the price of books published in IB Taurus and Bloomsbury's excellent extensive Turkey and Ottoman history category. Now every one of the books published in the Turkey Ottoman history series of IB Taurus and Bloomsbury is available to Turkey Book Talk's Patreon members if you use the special code that I'll give you once you sign up. That deal is valid for all physical books, pre-orders and e-books. And if you're already a member, do double check the email that I send out for this episode where I will be including that new discount code. Turkey Book Talk members also receive transcripts in both English and Turkish of every interview via email as soon as the episode is published. And you get transcripts of the entire archive of Turkey Book Talk interviews when you sign up, which includes a number of extra ones not previously published on the podcast. Members also receive an archive of over 200 book reviews written by myself covering Turkish and international fiction and poetry, history, politics and journalism focused on the Middle East and Europe. And finally, I also send articles related to the subject of the interview in the email that I send out to members with every new episode, which of course is ideal if you want to delve that bit deeper. To become a member, just pledge $3 per episode via Turkey Book Talk's Patreon page. If you're feeling particularly generous and want to pledge more, then you'll certainly be more than welcome. But so long as you pledge $3 or above per episode, membership is entirely at your own discretion. There are no prior commitments or strings attached. You'll be free to sign off whenever you want. But now on to our conversation with Murat Erdogan. The research that he's led in recent years gives a fascinating and rich insight into the problems and hopes of the over 3.5 million Syrians currently in Turkey. Those problems have obviously multiplied due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but the salience and even visibility of the Syrian refugee issue has actually fallen down Turkey's political agenda somewhat since the pandemic began. But obviously it's still there 10 years on from the start of the war in Syria. And the most recent Syrian barometer study published towards the end of last year, came up with some remarkable findings. It found that Syrian satisfaction in Turkey has increased in recent years, with many feeling more settled here and increasingly seeing their future in Turkey. In 2017, for example, the rate of respondents saying, I won't return to Syria under any circumstances, was just 16%, but in the latest study, it was right up to 51.8%. The rate of respondents saying that they will return to Syria if the war ends and a government I want is formed fell from 60% to 30% and now just 6.8% say they're still planning to return. So I started by asking Murat Erdogan what we can deduce from those findings. I, as a migration expert and an academic, I'm saying always since 2015, the Syrians will not go back voluntarily. Of course, if a Turkish government say that, no, you should go or you have to go, there is no barrier for international context to stop Turkey. But it is also risky and then very hard to implement. But if we also ask to the Syrians, you can also see this hesitation and then their reaction. 
the tendency is very clear. I am almost sure we will get new data from the Saudians and then we will see more than 50%. They will say that we will never ever go to the Syria because the, the situation in Syria is very dramatically. War is very chronic and uh, nobody knows what's the future of Syria. And the other side, the Syrians establish their life in Turkey. They feel themselves more secure in Turkey. Their children uh, visit the Turkish schools, learn Turkish. You know, more than 630,000 babies were born in Turkey, Syrian babies. It is also a part of this life and then their establishment in Turkey. And because of that, I'm saying always voluntary return for Syrians in Turkey is a fantasy. They will stay forever in Turkey. Very small part of them, maybe they can go back and maybe some of them can find an opportunity to go to Western countries. But the huge part of them, they will stay forever in Turkey. Yeah. I saw that you noted last year that even when the uh, the government opened its side of the border to Europe, so in, in February, March, I think that was, just before COVID, in a bid to kind of allow migrants to cross to Europe, not actually many Syrians went. That may have been a reflection, I suppose, of the fact that Syrians now have established themselves here. Uh, the people flocking to the border were, there was a lot more Afghans and, and people from elsewhere. There wasn't really many Syrians uh, going. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you ask to the Syrians, we ask them whether they have any interest to go to third country, around 30% they said that we have, of course, interest, but not illegally. They want to have an invitation from European countries or UNHCR, the other institutions, but not illegally. Some Syrians, they have a part of their family in European countries, and then they apply for family unification, and then they get negative answers. The Syrians who try to go illegally to European countries, they are mostly these kind of people. But normally, if they establish their life in Turkey, they will not take these risks. Of course, the Afghanis, Pakistanis, irregular migrants, they will try. They can try. They try, and then it was the problem in February, March in Greek borders. You have also warned, based on your research, about, quote, ghettoization. So despite this tendency towards increased uh, settling here in Turkey of uh, Syrian migrants, uh, there is this social tendency that, you, that you've warned about, ghettoization. What did you mean by that and how is that happening? We asked to the Syrians whether they feel themselves better in Turkey and then they said that yes, but I think because of this ghettos, if they are coming to Istanbul or Izmir, they are going to, of course, an, an district where they have also some relatives or friends, or etc. It's also very typical in, uh, in migration issues. Their number is huge only in, for example, in Istanbul, in SNU. The number of the Syrian refugees is more than 120,000. It is huge, huge, huge number. And then, of course, in that district, they have also a solidarity. They have also a system. I think their satisfaction in Turkey is also a part of this ghetto system. They feel they are better. For example, if we ask to the Turkish society, they they show their reaction to the Syrians very hard. But the Syrians, they have no idea about this reaction. Very limited idea. Why? Because they... They live with their own society together. They have no interest and then no very limited contact with Turkish society. The ghetto issue is in all part of the Turkey we can see. In Izmir, 
live uh, over 100,000 Syrians, but they live only in three districts, or in Ankara, only four districts. Of course, because of these numbers, they have a solidarity, and this solidarity is also a need. This solidarity also brings security for them, uh, but they create also their own system, sociological system, and then they don't need also to communicate with Turkish society. I think in, in, in the future, it will be a huge problem. And then I have also fear the Syrians in Turkey, especially youth, they will create their own nationalism in Turkey. And then each nationalism, you need also others. And then others will be also Turks. It will be a huge uh, disappointing point for the Turkish society. You mentioned it just there. There has actually been a hardening of attitudes that you have tracked in your polling of Turkish citizens on attitudes to Syrians. So 75% of respondents uh, most recently said no to the question, to the proposal that we can live peacefully together with Syrians. 87% reject giving political rights to Syrians. And the number of people saying Turkish and Syrian culture is different has risen sharply uh, as well. So we see there across the board, many people really seeing Syrians as posing a demographic, cultural, social and economic threat. Just talk about this apparently worrying tendency, apparently worrying hardening of attitudes. Human mobility is always a security issue. It's not only a sociological issue, it's also a security issue. And it is also very normal. The society has also worries. It is not easy to manage. And unfortunately, we have also a lot of social, social and political problems in Turkey. But we are living with Syrians in city centers, in big cities. Of course, they, the Syrians is uh, concentrated on some regions, etc. But anyway, they are in our life. Uh, paradoxically, the Turkish society doesn't want to have the Syrians, but it's a success story, I think, for both sides. We live together and almost no problem. It's also very important, very valuable. If you think about more than uh, 3.6 million Syrians and then the other refugees, etc., etc., it's a success story of Turkish society, Thank you, I think. But these uh, these negative sentiments, just wonder, you actually talk in, the, in one of the reports about uh, dividing the respondents between different parties. I wonder if the figures change among different party supporters or are they generally the same across the board? You know, it's very interesting. Okay? The uh, Kurdish uh, political movements, HDP and then before HDP, the other parties, they gave the most support to the Syrians. The HDP people, I mean the Kurds, and their concept and then their party concept is also very clearly very human-based analysis and then human-based policies. It is very valuable, actually. Of course, they have another solidarity with, uh, with Syrians because of the Kurdish origin Syrians people. They are also in Turkey, around 16%. I think it brings also some sympathy to them. But anyway, if we look at the numbers, of course, there are some differences between HDP and then AK Party and then JHP, E Party, MHP, etc., etc. But in general, all the people, they are against the Syrians, they have worry about that, etc. Of course, the, the differences between the parties is important, but not too huge, I have to also say that. And also, I just wonder if uh, Turkish citizens living in areas that have more Syrians, uh, do they have more negative attitudes than others or, or vice versa? Or, uh, can we yeah. detect a difference on that, on that level? It, it, is, it is a very, very important question. First of all, I have to say that uh, 
the cultural similarities issue. And there is a concept in general. We thought that always as a migration expert and an integration expert, etc., etc. We thought that if we have an uh, with newcomers and an host society, if they have a similar cultural base, then it's easy to have an integration, and then we cannot have too much problems. I don't believe this idea more. I made also a survey in Shanufa, and the Shanufa people is very close. I mean, culturally close to the Syrians, but the reaction in Shanufa was very, very hard over the Turkish average. Why? Because Shanufa is a very, very poor city. In all indicate uh, indicates, if you look at the Shanufa, they are in the bottom, and suddenly they get more than four hundred thousand. Syrian refugees. Of course, the beginning of the process, they give support, the solidarity is very clearly, etc., etc., but they understood Syrian will stay forever, then they gave the reaction very hardly. And uh, the social distance, for example, was bigger than uh, the Turkish average in Shanlufa. But the political effect is very funny. The Syrians came to Turkey first 2011. The AK Party lost between 2011 to 2020 around uh, 7.5% vote in general in Turkey. Istanbul, Izmir and then Ankara. AK Party lost in these three cities around 8%. But if you look at the cities who has very huge number of refugees as Şanlıurfa, Hatay, Gaziantep and then Chilis, these four cities. AK Parti lost also vote, but you know, only 5%. Under the Turkish average, normally they should give more uh, reaction. If they give the uh, bill, it should come to the AK Parti. But it is uh, very interestingly, their political reaction, you cannot see this reaction if you uh, ask the Turkish society. It's very, very, very interesting situation. So there's long been this idea that Syrians will end up returning to their country. And this has been spread really by both the government and opposition political figures. Indeed, um, I remember you know, one of the main ways that uh, President Erdogan justified Turkey's uh, military incursions into Syria in recent years to the public was by saying that this would allow many Syrians to return. And presumably that didn't help public perceptions or public expectation management, really, because obviously those military incursions weren't followed by a mass return of Syrians. You know, in our survey, we ask also the Syrians whether they want to go to back. Very limited part of them, they thought that, they said that we can think about that. Okay, we asked them this second question, where they want to go back. And then all of them almost, they said that our village or province, city, whatever, but not safe zone. Safe zone policy will not give an opportunity to the Syrians to go back to their country, their village, their city. And because of that, it will not bring any effect to the Syrians. I have no doubt for that. For the Turkish society, of course, Turkish governments cannot say easily, sorry, uh, they will stay forever in Turkey. They cannot say that. As you know, the Syrian, uh, Syria policy of Turkish government is not also a humanitarian policy. It's also a very, very important and political issue. 
an international issue with Russian, with Iran, with Kurds, with Americans, etc., etc. It's a very complicated problem. And because of that, Turkish government, if they have any policy in this region for the support of Turkish society, they have to use also this instrument and then say that if we establish a safe zone there, then Syrians can also go back. It will be maybe helpful for Syrians in Syria to have a safe zone, but it is not helpful for Syrians in Turkey to go back. It's a chronic problem field and nobody knows what is the future. I mean, the Biden is now the, uh, the president of the U.S. and then nobody knows what will be a new Syrian policy. Nobody knows what will be Russian policy, etc., etc. In this situation, nobody knows how long Turkey can stay in this territory. It's also another problem. And because of that, the Syrians, I mean, refugees, they cannot easily say that, okay, I'm going to back. The Turkish government will give security services to me. It's very difficult to think about that. Now, I've seen you make the interesting point that uh, Turkish society is actually quite well suited to uh, understanding migrants because of the quite intensive experience with migration that Turkey has itself experienced. Mm -hmm. So you've made the point that uh, internal migration from one province to the other, often with very different cultural dynamics, is very common. And obviously also throughout the Republican era and the late Ottoman era, there were these big waves of Turkish migrants, Muslim migrants from abroad, from the Balkans, from the Caucasus. So why do you think these factors may be significant and a, a potential positive on this issue? Uh, as I said, that it is a really huge number of the refugees, more than 3 million. And then altogether in Turkey, we live now uh, almost with 4 uh, million refugees and around 2 million irregular migrants. But the Turkish society live very normal and then only the surveys and the other instruments, we can also understand their feeling and then their reactions, etc. Maybe it will be a big problem. Maybe we will have also political parties against the refugees, etc., But till now, it was not. My explanation for that, from two reasons. One is this domestic migration. Turkey is very unique uh, in this sense. Uh, I was uh, 20 years ago in Germany and in a town and the, the city, Freiburg, and then population was 220,000. And then after 25 years, I checked the population. It's almost the same. It is the same in UK or the Holland or, or the other countries. Some cities, they, they lost their population, actually, because of the birth rates and the, the, also the older people, etc., etc. But in Turkey, especially in big city centers, we have everyday more population. They are coming from rural area to the city centers, from East Turkey, from North Turkey, from South Turkey to the huge cities. You know, in Turkey, we have more than 22 cities. They have more than 1 million population. We are in Turkey also all migrants, domestic Abapak migrants. We have experience with newcomers. We are not a, a typical city in Germany or UK. Uh, suddenly, if we have a 5,000 people and then bring in a stress, we said that it's okay, we can live together. It is not important they are coming from Hakkari or from Rize or from Syria. We live together. And then no, number two is also very useful instrument in Turkey, informal economy. At least two million workplaces we need for the refugees in Turkey. How can we create the two million places for the refugees? Turkish government give no money to the Syrians. I mean, the financial support. Only you give money 
for 1.8 million refugees in Turkey, not only Syrians but also the others, per month uh, 120 Turkish lira per person. It is also not enough to live in city centers. So they have to work. But how? Of course, in informal economy. Decent work is also very important. And then misusage of the worker is a very huge problem. But without informal economic sector in Turkey, it will be a great problem in Turkey for all. So in Turkey, active worker numbers is around 30 million. Around 10 million of them, they work informally. And then the refugees and the newcomers find for themselves in informal sector as normal domestic migrants. And then they can establish their life. Because of that, these two, two points, domestic migration and the informal sectors, create a temporary solution for the problem. I suppose it also helps on one level that the vast majority of Syrian migrants, Syrian refugees in Turkey are Sunni Muslim. Despite the fact that it, you know, there's obvious social tension uh, that erupts at times across the country on this issue, it does smooth things over slightly. I sometimes wonder, you know, if there were over three million Christians coming in from Syria, would the reaction be any worse? And I think it's possible to argue that it would be. It's a double-edged sword, I suppose, really. Uh, William, you know, today is a very sadly day. Today is also anniversary of uh, Hrant Dink's killed. And he was an uh, Armenian and uh, the nationalist tendency in Turkey, especially against the Armenian against the Christian people, etc., is unfortunately a very huge problem. As you know, last year we had an election in Istanbul. Government party used an instrument against the opposition candidate, uh, Ekrem Imamoğlu, for, uh, Ekrem Imamoğlu, and then they said that he is not Muslim, he is a Christian, etc. So it was a, a very bad discussion. In Turkey, we have, uh, unfortunately, tension is very, very high. And with this tension, and then with this environment, of course, the newcomers have always problems. If you talk about in, in your country every day, uh, yearly, milli, as you know, local and national, and then if you establish your country with this ideology, of course, it's also a huge challenge for Christian people or the others, I mean, not Muslim people. Now, one thing that your studies consistently find is quite negative results about Syrian women's workforce participation. Mm. So a tiny minority work in wage earning jobs. Very often it's in the informal sector that you're talking about there. Just talk about this issue. Has there been any change in these rates over time? Is there a positive story to tell there in any way or is it still a pretty negative story? William, it is, it is actually, uh, for us, it was not too much surprising. You know, in Turkey, is also the woman participation to the workplace uh, work uh, is around 30%. It's also very, very low. Among the Syrians, first of all, their birth rate is very high. Their birth rate is 5.2. Uh, the Turks, uh, Turkish uh, ladies has uh, 2.2. The highest level in, in Turkey is in Şanlıurfa, it is 3.2. So the ladies, they have to carry the, the, the children. It is number one. And then secondly, we get the Syrians from mostly from North Syria, from rural areas. And traditionally, they are very conservative and they are also very domestic people. 
for women uh, participation to the workplaces is because of that also very limited. I mean, they were also in Sudan the, the same situation. We will get soon our new data. Then we can also compare between 2019 and then 2021 what's the situation, what change. But as I said, that they are very conservative. They have very huge families with uh, too much children, and it's also not easy to send them uh, schools or kindergarten, etc., etc. Et the, the the traditional life is also another barrier. Their uh, husbands, etc., they let them also not to work. It is also another huge challenge for Turkish society, for Turkish government. We have to give more effort to bring them to workplaces. And you mentioned there. Uh, Syrians in Turkey are on average a very young population and the birth rate is actually much higher than it is among Turkish citizens and people I think tend to be aware of this and that's one of the things that's fueling the uh, demographic anxiety that we're talking about but also of course we know that uh, hundreds of thousands of Syrians of school age are not registered at school and that's something that your research also picks up on. What's the scale of this problem and how has it been affected by COVID? For the education, the Turkish government since 2016 give a lot of effort with the uh, the support of the EU, and then now the number of the registered uh, Syrian children in Turkish schools is over 750,000. It is huge number, but of course the school age children numbers is 1.2 million. If you look think about that, more than 450,000 children Syrian children they have no place uh, at the schools. This is, of course, a disaster for all. It's in those generations. It's a disaster for this. It's a, also a disaster in future in Turkey. It's also very costly, very huge problem. We cannot also ignore that. For Turkey, it's not easy to manage. It is not easy to give all of them the, the education possibility. Physically, it's not easy. We need at least 1,500 schools, uh, at least 50,000 new teachers, etc. But with this condition in Turkey, economic condition, it is not easy to open schools and then give uh, new uh, teachers, etc. I think it's a success of Turkish government. Uh, more than 750,000 uh, have a place at the schools. It's good, but it's also clear uh, more than 450,000 Syrian children, they have uh, no place at the schools. It's a huge problem. Now, finally, your research is linked to the UNHCR and you've spoken at the Turkish parliament to MPs about these issues. Uh, do you get the impression that decision makers are taking these conclusions seriously? What's their level of engagement and has there been any shift over time in recent years? Has, has the sentiment changed in any sense that you have noticed? I'm very thankful to the UNSCR. They give the opportunity to make this survey. It's very important. And then it, uh, we should understand the, the reaction of Turkish society, of course, the, the feeling of the Syrians, etc. Et It's very important. My survey and then my book have also created also interest to public institutions. But, you know, the discussion is also very political based. And then because of that, the government uh, don't want to, uh, doesn't want to hear any negative attitude, any negative uh, criticism, etc. So we cannot discuss easily and uh, realistically this discussion. But the Turkish societies actually understood, not accept, but understand they will stay in Turkey. We have no other opportunity. We have to make an integration policy for, for a peaceful life in Turkey. It's a huge challenge. We will have also some problems. 
but we should minimize the problems. And because of that, we have to make integration policies. The Turkish officials and the bureaucrats, they have personal contact with me. And then they say always very, very positive things about my surveys and my findings and my policy recommendations, etc. But in officially, they have always an, another position. And uh, it is also not surprising in Turkey because the, the, the political discussion part of the whole issue uh, make also stress for the bureaucrats. It's not easy. And because of that, I give more attention to the local integration process. It's very important. We have to concentrate on the local integration process and then more realistic political solutions and also social solutions. It is not a wish, but we have to live together. That was Murat Erdogan. Many thanks to him for joining for this episode number 135. Remember, if you enjoy Turkey Book Talk, you can support it by becoming a member on Patreon. Membership gets you that 30% IB Taurus Bloomsbury book discount, transcripts of every interview, transcripts of the entire archive, access to an archive of over 200 book reviews written by me, and links via email to articles related to the subject of each episode. For all that, just pledge $3 per episode via Turkey Book Talk's Patreon account. Account. Also do rate or review Turkey Book Talk on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, follow via Twitter or like our Facebook page and I always enjoy hearing from listeners so do send any recommendations, feedback or abuse to williamjohnarmstrong at gmail.com. And finally don't forget to check out Friends of Turkey Book Talk Turkey Recap. Turkey Recap is an email newsletter put together by journalists Razier Akkoc and Diego Cupolo. It's a very useful weekly package that brings together all major developments in Turkey over the past seven days. Arriving in your email inbox every Thursday, Turkey Recap also includes links to interesting articles as well as some excellent puns. Just go to turkeyrecap.com to find out how to subscribe. But until our next episode of Turkey Book Talk in a couple of weeks, thank you very much for listening. Gezdim dolaştım, anladım ki tek 